And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Flashback Fridays. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, kids, let's get right into it. Um, We had a really good response with the very first episode. Um, I guess you guys enjoy, you know, good three hours of solid podcasting. Uh, Jumping back from the days of yore, uh, well, actually, maybe as far as back as last year, but still. We're going to do the same thing. We do it every single week here on Flashback Fridays. We're going to dip into our big bucket of podcasting and find out what shows are we going to listen to this week. So let's go ahead and just cut the bullshit and get right into it. I'm shifting up the episodes, and we'll find out what the first pick of the day is. Here, let's get it nice and fluffed up for you. All right. All right. And our first episode is a nice big fat one like me. Let's see. That's what I'm looking for. Nice big fat one. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. It is Sheer Darkness, number 14. Ooh, very cool. So, let's see. Episode 14, that takes place on May 3rd, 2013. And this is about... Terry goes about the episode by himself as Dave is away on business. This week, he decides to talk about one of his favorite movies of the 1960s. Barbarella. Oh, yeah, that was a good episode. All right, so that's our first show of of the week. So sit back, relax, put your feet up, get something, nice adult beverage preferred, and enjoy Sheer Darkness number 14 here on Flashback Fridays. Greetings, everyone. I am Terry D. Shearer, and I bid you welcome to Shearer Darkness. If you look around carefully, you uh, may notice that uh, David K. Montoya is not with us this evening. Mr. Montoya, like many people who have a life, had other obligations tonight, so he will not be sitting in with us on this episode. So that means it's just you and I, folks, listeners, people. First of all, I would uh, like to apologize to my listeners for last week's episode. I was just not feeling well. Uh, It was a really hard episode to get through, and I actually couldn't get through the entire thing. So I do apologize for the short episode, and I also apologize for it being... Not a very good episode. Okay. Uh, 
hopefully tonight we'll be able to uh, play around a little bit and get something done here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. Anyway, one of the things that uh, got me into the magazine business anyway, aside from writing and reading, uh, another one of my favorite pastimes has always been watching movies. I uh, grew up with uh, famous or infamous B-movies on TV. Uh, almost all of black and white, of course. And some of them were not entirely hideous. Some of them were rather entertaining, actually. But, uh, of course, as a kid, I didn't know any better because... I didn't get to see a lot of the uh, really good movies, early movies, black and white movies. We're talking about like Universal Monsters and uh, American International uh, came out. And at that time, I was able to actually go to the theater with my, well, with somebody else. And, uh, was able to actually see on the big screen, you know, Vincent Price and, and Boris Karloff and other uh, famous monster people. And that was well worth the 25 cents it cost me to get into the movies in those days. So I've always been fond of well, B-movies and uh, sometimes even C-movies because they were so bad. So I thought perhaps, since we have a little extra time here tonight, I would uh, delve into some of my archives and pull up a movie or two in another time and see what we can, uh, see what we can discuss about some of the old style movie making. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, oh, another thing. <clears throat> We've had wind up here, serious howling wind. You know, sustained wind at 30 and 35 miles an hour, and gusts up to 50 for so many days I can't even remember the last time I was able to go outside and not have to hang on to something to keep from getting blown over. So my sinuses are a little bit uh, aggravated tonight. So please excuse me ahead of time if I am sniffling or snorting or pausing to blow my nose or clear my throat. Uh, it's a family trait, by the way, throat clearing. But uh, aside from that, you should be okay. So... Gonna go back a little ways here. I'm sure a lot of uh, my listeners were not even born when most of this was taking place, but uh, back in the uh, 1960s in France, an artist named Jean Claude Forest, well, I'm sure it's pronounced differently, 
I think uh, Forrest is Trois in uh, French. I don't know why he uses Forrest. Anyway, he drew a racy comic book with a heroine from the future. <clears throat> now, his heroine was called Barbarella, Queen of the Galaxy. And this comic book was so popular in France that uh, eventually they decided to make it into a movie. Now, uh, we've done uh, we've done that a lot in this country over the past few decades, but uh, in France, I'm not sure. Of course, this is 1968 when uh, the movie was finally released. Uh, and the, the name was the same, Barbarella in the Galaxy. It was directed by uh, Roger Vadim, and I don't know if uh, many of you are familiar with Terry Southern, but uh, he was a writer of, uh, let's just say, soft porn in the 60s and early 70s. Blue Movie, which is just a hilarious novel. And he also wrote, I believe he wrote Candy, which uh, seemed to me to be a takeoff on uh, Sod's Justine. But anyway, he wrote a lot of, uh, like I said, soft porn. So Terry Southern got to write the screenplay along with. Uh, Jean Claude and you know, a couple of other people, and it was a it was an, a, an Italian French Italian movie, and for the female heroine, they uh, chose a young starlet who was uh, just starting her rise to stardom, uh, Jane Fonda. Any of you remember Jane Fonda? It's probably from her Vietnam War uh, experiences, which were not fondly on by most of the United States. <clears throat> but uh, at this time, in the 60s, she was still, was before she got really involved in the war. She was still an actress. So Jane Fonda played Barbarella. And there was uh, John Philip Law, Anita Pollenberg, and surprise, Marcel Marceau, who played Professor Ping in the movie, and he had lines. Of course, uh, it, it, it's hard to tell that he's Marcel Marceau, because most people at that time knew him uh, as a mime, so he didn't have a lot of uh, <coughs> excuse me dialogue in any period. But in this one, he has some dialogue. It's not very good, but there you go. So Barbarella is a forty-first century astronaut. Now, I have to remember that uh, in the 60s, late 60s, the uh, 
love generation was uh, just getting started and a lot of movies made at, around this time had a lot of the uh, free love philosophy ingrained in the movies and Barbarella was no exception. Hold on just a second while I get a drink here. Thank you. So, Barbarella is a... I'm not really sure what she is in the movie, but she apparently is working for the Earth government as a freelance something or other. Anyway, she flies around the galaxy and solves problems. So, <clears throat> in her own little spacecraft. So, the opening scene finds her undressing in her spacecraft. She tends to undress quite often in the movie, which was fine with most viewers. So she is contacted by the president of Earth, and he needs her to find a renegade scientist who fled Earth some time ago, and he took with him the plans for a positronic ray, which destroys all life, basically, you know, somebody has to do it, and, uh, actually, the positronic aspect of robotics was still some years away when uh, it was introduced in Star Trek Next Generation with, uh, robot data. Uh, he has a positronic brain, but anyway, this is a positronic ray which apparently will transport living things to the fourth dimension where they, well, nobody knows what happens to the fourth dimension, except that they probably die. So, Barbarella is sent out to look for this master villain whose name is Durand, Durand. Uh, they have a possible location for this guy. So she takes a nap while her spaceship travels a long way away. And when she wakes up, because they're close to their destination, they run into a magnetic storm. Now, she has a large view screen in her spaceship. And again, because this is 1968, and psychedelic drugs, etc., have recently been introduced to the populace. A lot of the uh, background scenes in this movie are highly psychedelic. younger listeners who are not quite sure what uh, psychedelic means, 
you'll have to check out this movie, but you'll understand when you see what is going on outside of your spaceship and on the planet below. Psychedelics everywhere. So, she is trying to <clears throat> escape this magnetic storm, which is apparently quite violent. It throws her all about the cabin of her spaceship, which the entire thing is, the entire cabin is lined in fur. So, uh, she didn't get too banged up, but spaceship crash lands in what appears to be a icy, frozen wasteland. Uh, she, uh, changes clothes and climbs out of her ship and discovers a large hole in the, the uh, up front of the ship. Uh, bow, okay, the bow of the ship. Large hole, easily the size of her head. And the rest of the ship is pretty badly scraped up. Mm. So she is stranded, apparently, on this frozen wasteland, and she's, you know, uh, there is oxygen, breathable oxygen, so she's cool off the outside. So she's wandering around this frozen lake thing, and she comes across two little girls who are twins, and she tries to communicate with them. Okay, well, hang on. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. I forgot to mention that uh, everyone on Earth is terrified that this, this positronic ray that Duran Duran has could produce a war or anything that would upset the, the balance of peace and love that permeates the planet Earth at this time. Their greeting uh, is to hold up your right hand and say love. And when you say goodbye, you do the same thing. Hold up your hand and say love. So that's that's where the, the, the mental attitude of Earthlings are at this point. And yes, it's very... <clears throat> ridiculous, but again, at this time, 1968, and in the coming years, it was very important for people to attempt to bring down tyrannical regimes and replace everything with love. Right? So, the, uh, the villain, Duran Duran, is reportedly on the planet uh, Bithyon in the city of Sogo. In Sogo, a new sin is invented every hour. So it's a terrible place as far as uh, Earth people would be concerned. Okay? So here we go. Barbarella has crash landed in the icy moment 
Venus, and uh, she's wandering around, and she comes across these two little girls who are about eight years old, and they're twins, and she tries to befriend them and talk to them, but of course the uh, children have their own language, and she can't understand them. So while Barbarella is attempting to adjust her uh, language modificator, modification wrist bracelet or something that would enable, enable her to understand what the girls are saying, they take a fist-sized rock and pack ice around it and conk her in the head with it, knock her out. So you can tell right away that uh, kids are not good. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they knock her out, knock her unconscious, and they tie her up, tie her hands together anyway. And they uh, <clears throat> pull out this kind of ski sled thing and attach it to a leathery looking stingray that pulls them across the ice. And it just kind of glides along the surface and pulls them until they get to a another carcass of a spaceship that is wrecked on the other side of the lake. And it turns out that it was uh, Duran Duran's old spaceship. So now she knows that he really is on the planet. All she has to do is find him. So the, the two little girls pull her into this spaceship, the ruins of the spaceship, and there's all these other little twins, boys and girls, and they're all about the same age. And they're all laughing and giggling and everything, and she's still trying to communicate with them, not having much luck. So they tie her to a pole in the middle of the spaceship, and then they go bring out all of these dolls. They're about you know, two feet high and they're just regular porcelain dolls except they have weird wigs on, weird clothes. Mm -hmm. And when they turn them on, they place them all around Barbarella. And when they turn them on, they have these metal jaws with sharpened teeth that go clack, 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 clack. And these little dolls are, you know, marching slowly toward Barbarella. Little metal jaws clacking together. And all the kids are sitting around just cracking up. <clears throat> so the dolls reach Barbarella and they begin to tear through her skimpy clothing and cut into her delicate skin with their mouths. And Barbarella is pleading and screaming and near fainting and yada yada and suddenly this big hairy guy appears in the doorway with two leather covered guards and he he throws a big net over the kids and the guards pull the kids out of the ship and he goes over and ties uh, Barbarella and he's talking to her in a foreign language and she's trying to talk to him and she adjusts her little wrist translator or whatever, and all of a sudden they can understand each other. And he is the uh, catch man, I guess, I guess it was. And his job 
is to run around the uh, frozen wasteland of Weir and catch the kids when they're about eight years old and take them back to Sogo. Now, don't bother trying to understand or even, you know, figure out all of the strange nuances of, of what's going on here because it's pretty much pointless. But apparently newborn children are left out in the cold to survive on their own and when they reach a certain age they're brought back to the city of Sogo where they can be properly trained in the arts of being bad, I guess. I don't know. Everyone in Sogo is evil. Okay, so <clears throat> the man catcher, the catch man, takes Barbarella to his wind sled thing that he lives in, and he patrols. And he offers to take her back to her ship, and she's so thankful for him rescuing her. And she says, "Well, you know, I'm sure my my government could compensate you for saving me." And he says, "Well, that's not what I want." <clears throat> he says, "I want to make love to you." You know, French are very blunt about that sort of stuff. So she says, "Oh, well, all right. I have some pills here." And she pulls some pills out belt uh, pillbox, I guess, I don't know. And she goes to hand him one, and he goes, what is that? And she says, well, you know, for hundreds of years, Earth people have refrained from physical sex. We now have, it's all done, you know, emotionally, mentally. You know, we take these pills and touch hands until uh, each person has their pleasure centers stipulated properly. And he says, I know nothing of that. I want to have sex with you. To make love to you. And she goes, oh, well, alright. Doesn't seem too happy about it, of course, since she's technically never had sex, physical sex. And the next scene, she's laying back on all these fur rugs and everything, just humming to herself. It's all delightful satisfied the whole team. So the catch man has apparently done something to her ship to make it able to fly again. Although it still has a big hole in front of it and it's all scraped up and battered from the magnetic storm when she crash land landed in the first place. So <clears throat> He says, I think I think your your ship is functional now and if you ever get back this way again, you know, stop by and trying to leaves it hanging and she goes, Oh, oh, oh yes, of course. So she climbs into her ship and, and she takes off and gets a few feet off the ground and then starts to spiral down again. Uh this time it crashes into the labyrinth, which is a, as the name implies, is like a big maze below the city of Sogo. And she passes out when she climbs out of the ship and is discovered by the blind angel Pygar, 
wears a point cloth of feathers and has two big feather wings. But he's blind, and, uh, you know, he, he arouses, I mean, he wakes her up, he doesn't arouse her yet. He wakes her up, and, uh, she goes, and he shows her, because you can see the city of Sogar, Sogo, whatever the fuck it's called, up on the hill, and it looks like a bunch of makeshift, you know, rocket ships stuck together or something, and, and he says that the, uh, the tyrant, the mad tyrant of Sogo, uh, banishes all good people to the labyrinth, and there they all slowly die. So Barbarella needs to get up to the city, and Pygar uh, says, well, there's no way to get to the city from here. And she says, well, can't you fly? And he says, I, I lost the ability to fly. And she says, well, I have to talk to somebody. Isn't there somebody here that can help me? And he says, oh, I can take you to Professor Ping. So he leads her to Professor Ping. And all the way through the labyrinth, you see people who are slowly, apparently, turning to stone. You know, they're either locked in, into a stone face, or their bodies are turning to stone, or whatever, because they're all dying. Horrible deaths. <clears throat> so, she, uh, she finds Professor Ping, who turns out to be Marcel Marceau, and uh, he can speak now and she tells him well I have a spaceship but it needs some work and if we can get it working then I can get everybody out of here so he says oh let me see let me see so she takes him over to the ship which is now half buried in rubble and there's this gaping hole in front of the thing and he goes what seems to be the problem and you know that just cracked me up so she says, well, I'm not sure, but I think it's the stabilizers. And he goes, ah. So he sets about to try to repair her craft, and Pygar uh, takes her to his home there in the labyrinth. And it's a, it's a big nest, you know, made out of sticks and twigs and lined with feathers and shit. And she goes, oh, this is lovely. And he takes her up into the nest, and the next scene, she's laying back on her back amongst all the feathers, and she's a meaning, smiling, and it's all, you know, she just got fucked, okay? So, <clears throat> she looks up, and you know, she, you know, Pygar is gone, but she looks up into the sky, and there he is, flying around. Um, she goes, Pygar, you can fly! And he goes, yes, I can. I now have the will to fly, you made me want to fly. I don't know what the fuck you said. Anyway, so sex is apparently a cure-all. So he's flying now. Of course, he can't see. So she says, well, now you can take me to Sogar. You can fly me in there. And he goes, oh, I don't think we can make it. We can be shot down by the, the Black Guard or something. They have flying ships. And she says, well, not if I have my weapons with me. And she has a bunch of weapons now because the peace left. Earth President shipped them to her or transported them to her or something. So she's got this armload full of fucking weapons now that she thinks will enable her to bypass all of the Black Guard. Yeah, get up. Excuse me. 
Sogar, where she can hopefully find Duran Duran and kill the tyrant and save the world. Yay. So she goes back to the spaceship to change clothes again. She changes clothes a lot. <coughs> she goes back to change clothes and grab up a bunch of her weapons and shit. And Ping is there, mussing about. And he says, yes, yes. I think I'll have it ready to fly shortly. And it looks just the same as it did when she crash-landed, but you know, whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. So, she, uh, jumps into Prygar's wings, or arms, rather, and he takes off from the labyrinth, and they head toward Sobo. Okay, so if you think things have been a bit weird so far, they get even more strange once they fight through the Black Guard and get up to Sogo, the city. Um, again, <clears throat> you have lots of, uh, psychedelic visions, sights, backgrounds. Everybody in Sogo, uh, is pretty much young. They're all wearing, old leather and chains and feathers, extravagant clothing, extravagant hats, all that kind of stuff. Anything that is, uh, sensual uh, people are enjoying physical sex and everything well, anyway okay so they get up there to so go and they're separated um, because no one has seen an angel in hundreds of years so Pygar is especially uh well, everybody wants him. Uh, so they're separated. She's chased down, you know, people try to rape her, people try to kidnap her. <clears throat> she is uh, running for her life, basically, and she stumbles onto uh, Durand, Durand, who is the uh, concierge, I guess, the tyrant's right-hand man. And uh, he basically runs the city, but he wants more than that. So she's kidnapped, and they try to kill her a couple of times. And she is uh, she helps she's helped to escape by this inept underground group of people who are trying to overthrow the tyrant and free everyone. Um, there's all kinds of little subplots running through this movie, uh, none of which go anywhere, and none of which really accomplish anything. But it turns out that if the only way to uh, kill the tyrant queen is when she is in her chamber of sleep, no, a cha chamber of dreams, which has an invisible wall around it and needs an invisible key to open the door. So, the uh, leader of the underground happens to have a spare key to the queen's 
Chamber of Dreams. So he gives that to Barbarella. And he says, if you can get up there and destroy the queen, I can have my men attack the city and we should be able to, you know, win, save everybody, do, do all the good shit that uh, needs to be done. Well, in the meantime, she, uh, Barbarella, hold just a second. Thank you. Barbarella is introduced to another character in the film, in the city. This would be the Matmos. Matmos is a lake of liquid energy that the city is built upon. And the Matmos is alive and it supplies the city with warmth and energy but it feeds on evil so anytime anything evil is perpetrated in the city which is pretty much every minute of the day and night the Matmos grows stronger and it also pretty much sucks the life force from anyone who lives in the city. So you never really see any old people because they are always dead. Their life force is sucked out of them before they, they, they get to be too old. So she, Barbarella, and Duran Duran race up to the Queen's Chamber of Dreams to try to uh, kill her. Well, then, then Barbarella finds out that Duran Duran is actually whacked or cracked and he wants to kill the Queen so he can take over the city and with his positronic ray can then take over the whole galaxy. So he tricks Barbarella into the Chamber of Dreams and runs off with both of the invisible keys. So she's trapped in this chamber with the Sleeping Queen. And she's wandering all, all through the chamber. And this is where you really get your psychedelic uh, wallpaper done up. Uh, so she's searching for the Queen uh, knowing that they won't be able to get out because they don't have a key anymore. And meanwhile, Duran Duran is uh, proclaiming himself uh, king or emperor or something. So he is having his coronation ceremony with the uh, rebels attack. They're using weapons from Barbarella's ship, which Ping has managed to repair and has sent off on autopilot to a safe area where Barbarella can find it uh, after they win the battle or whatever. So the rebels are charging up out of the labyrinth using her weapons to uh, destroy the Black Guard 
And meanwhile, Barbarella finds the queen in the chamber and wakes her up and explains what's going on. And the queen tells her that the Matmos will seep up through the floor any moment and uh, digest both of them. So, meanwhile, again, Duran Duran has his coronation interrupted because of the rebel attacks. He races up to the tower where his positronic ray is located and <clears throat> turns it on the rebels. And one by one, or group by group, group, group by group, destroys all the rebels, wipes them out. So. King is gone, the leader of the uh, rebel organization is gone, and he's sitting up there happy as a clam with his positronic ray because now he's sure that he will be able to sweep across the galaxy and destroy everything that stands in his way. Alright, meanwhile, again, the Queen and Barbarella are in the chamber, and the Matmos has started to attack and the queen decides the only way to make things right is to release the Matmos on the entire city and destroy the, the, the evil city. So Go um, is sort of like the uh, first couple of letters of Sodom and Gomorrah by the way in case no one figured that out. So the queen releases the Matmos, and it starts to devour the entire city. Uh, it turns out, however, that uh, Barbarella is such a sweet and innocent person that the Matmos cannot digest her, so it forms this little bubble around her. And the queen, who happens to be hanging on to Barbarella, so they're carried up through the Matmos in this little bubble and deposited or they'll be deposited on a rock face. And oh look, over here there's Pygar who also could not be digested by the Matmos because you know, he's an angel. <clears throat> so the three of them, after they uh, bring Pygar back to uh, his senses. Pygar picks them up and uh, flies up into the air with them. And Barbarella looks over and sees the evil queen in his other arm and she says, Pygar, why did you rescue the queen when she's been so horrible to you? And Pygar says, an angel has no memory. Barbarella says, oh, okay, well, whatever. Um, so they're flying around while the entire world is being destroyed by the Matmos below them. And nobody seems to consider the fact that the only one who knew where the fucking fine, I mean, where her fucking repaired spaceship is was Pygar. And if he has no memory... Duh. 
So anyway, the movie ends with Krygar and Barbarella and the evil queen flying through the air with uh, another huge psychedelic background. And that's the end. Uh, don't know if they were ever going to try to do a sequel. Hard to say. Uh, the movie itself, when it first came out, was a big hit with all of the uh, soon-to-be hippies that uh, flocked to the theater. I saw it actually for the first time at a drive-in in 1968 when it first came out. So I thought it was pretty cool too. Now it is uh, so ridiculously dated and it has pretty much got a cult following following anymore. But uh, and I'm sure you could uh, find it on Netflix or whatever if you wanted to actually check it out. It's well worth it. It's well worth a view just for the humorous parts of it. And that's pretty much all you're going to get out of it is some comedy lines. However, in a, in a postscript, the rock band Duran Duran, who, uh, in my notes here, the rock band Duran Duran started playing at a nightclub in Birmingham, England. 1978. The nightclub they were playing at just happened to be called Barbarella's. And because the nightclub had been uh, so good to them, allowing them to play there, and, and, and I don't know why else, but they decided to take the name of their group from the villain in the movie Barbarella, and they called themselves Duran Duran. Now, in the movies, there was a D on the name of each Durand, but that was the French pronunciation. pronunciation. Yeah, that's how the French said it. So they dropped the D, and it would just became Durand Durand. So I just thought that was interesting, uh, because I was curious about that too, and it turns out that, yeah, they did take their name from the movie. So... There you go. After uh, Barbarella, Jane Fonda did a couple of other movies, like They Shoot Horses, Don't They, and some other things. And then in the 70s, when the war, Vietnam War churned up, she became a, an activist, and uh, a lot of people didn't like what she did, like you know, going to North Vietnam and saying, should stop killing poor children and stuff. But anyway, that's all in the past too. So Barbarella is a is a real piece of uh, cult history. If you want to check that out, it's uh, again well worth viewing. And uh, it's been around for a long time. So I guess that's about the end of this episode. Hope I didn't bore you too badly. I imagine next week Dave will be back and we'll see what other kind of trouble we can get into. Until then, I wish everyone a good evening and a 
Happy days. All right. Talk to you later. Night. I think that's maybe why when he was doing news views and reviews, that was a really good show because that man can go about it by himself without missing a beat. Um, I'm actually, I just started this week. I started recording who's the boss again. And it was, it was kind of tough to do, you know, uh, an hour show completely by yourself, but he hit it without missing anything. And, it was just a great episode. I hope all you guys enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed sitting back and listening to that myself. It was uh, it was kind of fun because during that time we were we were preparing um, Rebecca and Aaron's wedding. I think, and that that was mainly what was pulling my attention away. Plus, I think was Russo there. I think Russo was visiting at the time as well. So all that going on. Okay, let's jump in the bucket again and let's find out. What our second episode of the week will be. Let's see. Like I said, get it all nice and stirred up. Let's see. Let's see. Whoop, one popped out of the basket, so let's go ahead and go with that. It is Scene Red, episode 32. And let's see. That was done in... July 22nd of this year, and it is post-SDCC, which is the San Diego Comic-Con, and the Shark Arm Case. Rebecca is back this week, and the trio get into fun topics such as what they have planned for shows of the one-year birthday, how Dave got his driver's license, busted on Google Earth. Then Dave examines the unbelievable story of a tiger shark and a man's severed arm. You like how I, I mentioned myself in third person? Dave said. Dave said. <laughs> All right, kids. So this is it. Uh, sit back. This is our second episode. Uh, and this is episode 32 of Scene Red. The post-San Diego Comic-Con and shark arm case. All right. Sit back, relax, and here we go. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. Holy shit, she's back. Wow, wow. And the crowd goes wild. I'm <laughs> Where you been? At home. Doing? Sitting around. Okay, I know you, you haven't Doing podcasted in like a month, but you got to keep it's the ball. It's not been a month. Okay, three episodes. At least three or four That's episodes. Okay, well, it hasn't been a month. We've got to get technical here. Dates and times and terms. It's been three weeks. Uh, I don't know. I was sick, like always, and I have no idea. I don't remember why else I didn't come. I should probably talk into the microphone when I talk to you because I forgot. Yeah, I should keep that in the ear. While you talk, so I can, you know, measure the volume. <laughs> measure the volume. What the listeners don't know is we invested in new equipment. Um, now we have both mechanical arms going. We have pop filters. We have the VAC. I finally broke down and bought that. So we can run everything and adjust the audio right on the fly. So <clears throat> the only downfall is, is that when you talk, you have to, like, talk right into the microphone. If not, then you, you can't be heard. So 
somebody has to neither a one of the podcasters has to listen while the other person talks or have an individual to sit on the side and just listen to the conversation. Unfortunately, we don't have a volunteer to do that, so I'm the person to follow the volume. <laughs> well, next time we come over, I'm bringing my thing for sure, because I, I totally forgot, and like you said, you told your mom to tell us, and she neglected to tell us. Or else I would have brought it, and you know I would. Right. And... It would have been better because then you could adjust the mic, you know, for you, and then mm -hmm. you could have your own mic, and we wouldn't have to worry about the volume. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the show. Um, you were talking about Les Mis. What's going on with that? So I guess Mom rented Les Mis or all the new one. I I don't know if you've seen the original one. Uh, the one I've only the read the book. Well, the one from the 90s, I, it was a pretty good movie. I liked it, but uh, it was long. It was one of those long-ass, like, Titanic movies. And I was watching it, and I guess they remade it and made it into a musical, which I like musicals, but the whole movie is a musical. Every single line is sung. Really? And the main the main actor in it is Russell Crowe. Well, he's not the main actor. The main actor is Hugh Jackman singing everything, which is actually not a bad singer. And then Russell Crowe is the second main actor. I can see him singing. He, he's singing in it. It's like opera type. Not really opera, but it's like, oh, Lolly. yeah. It's uh, funny because can you imagine Wolverine and the gladiator singing? He's together? old though. He, Hugh Jack, they made him look old in that movie. Like he start because it, it pans over like his life, like basically his whole life. Like he, he goes to jail because he stole bread and he goes to jail for 19 years for stealing, for stealing bread, a loaf of bread. And this is in France. This is during like, after they had killed, I think, Marie Antoinette and her husband or whatever. Right. And he's, King Henry VIII. Yeah. I am, I am. Anyway, shut up. So uh, <laughs> he gets out, and he's on probation for the rest of his life or something like that. So he tries to go get a job, and they won't give him a job because he has a shady past for stealing one loaf of bread 19 years ago. Yes. Okay, nice. Kid, kid you not. So he runs away, and he goes to this monastery, and the guy at the monastery gives him all his money. And he's like, I want you to start a new life. Cause he was gonna rob, he was gonna rob the, rob them because he was like desperate to do something cause he had nothing. He was like homeless again. And the guy's like, I want you to have a better life. I think the guy was like sick and dying already. So he gave his money to him. So he said, well, since you're getting me this money, I'm gonna go and do good things with it. Well, ever since the day he ran away, cause Russell Crowe's the one that put him in jail. Ever since the day he ran away, Russell Crowe's been searching for him. This man finds him everywhere in this movie. No matter what, he always finds him. Always. And persecutes him till the day he dies. I was like, this is because he ends up dying at the end because he gets really sick. But what happened Hugh was, Jackman? yeah, what happened was, is he, uh, Anne Hathaway plays in it. And I guess she went to work for him and all the girls are jealous of her. So they like were, they sent her out or whatever on the street and she cut all her hair off to sell it, to try to give money for somebody to take care of her daughter because her husband had left her. So she sends her daughter to like this boarding house, which is basically a prostitution house. So they steal everybody blind. Helena Bottom Carter is like the leader of it. Uh-huh. And she, like, he finds her on the street, and they're going to put her in jail because supposedly she stole bread or something. And Hugh Jackson's like, no, I'll just take her and just leave her. Takes her back to his, his, like, the monastery place where he lives, and she dies. So he goes and gets her daughter. And the, I guess Russell Crowe finds out who he really is, finally. So he's, like, chasing him down, still trying to put him back in jail for still on a piece of bread, but I think it's stupid, or a loaf of bread. And he gets away with the girl, and at the end, Russell Crowe finds him, but he ends up dying, and he gives all his money to that to the, the girl that he raised. 
her mother died. It was a pretty good movie, but every single line was sung. I'm like, I can't deal. So Anne Hathaway dies too. Yeah, she, she's the one that she died before he died. She got really, I guess she got really sick because like she went to work for them, and all the girls jealous of her because she was pretty and thin and all this. So uh-huh. the, like persecutor made lies about her, so they threw her out. And he, I guess he said, like he didn't really know what was happening. He's like, yeah, just throw her out. He didn't know what he was doing. So he uh, finds her. She's like, yeah, you're the person that threw me out in the street. My daughter's over here, and we're homeless. So he he promised her because he he didn't know he did that that he would make amends and take care of her daughter because she died. She was really, I think she had to, like some kind of like the plague or something, not the plague, but <laughs> she got sick from something and died. Well, I guess that's why it's in English translation. It's called the misery. Yeah, it's like, I'm just like this poor man. Like for all those years, literally, like his whole life, because he did it when he was really young. At the end, he was old, and they made that man look old. Did they? Like, and he was like he gained weight. He was like kind of fat. I've never seen him look like that. You'd have to see the movie. It doesn't even look like him. I don't know. I have a hard time following musicals. Well, it's. Especially it's, if it's like every single line of dialogue. Well, every once in a while they would say a line like, you know, it's a new day. Where's the paper? The paper's over here. Da, da, da. <laughs> it was like that. Like they had very little speaking in it. It was almost all singing. And that's what I can't do. I like musicals. I love them to death. Like I like when they have like a little montage and like they're going to throw in a song here and a song there. You know what I'm saying? Like Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Or like. Rent or you know different the different ones, they, but that one was all singing. It was really annoying. But then I got into it. I was like, I gotta watch this. I gotta see what happens. I'm looking forward to um, Hugh Jackman in his you know because his new movie's coming out this in this weekend, this coming weekend. What the Wolverine movie? The Wolverine's coming out. I think it's this Friday. It's coming out. We gotta go see that. It looks really good. I don't want to see it because I haven't got to see friggin' Man of Steel yet or any of the movies I wanted to see. Really? I haven't seen Man of Steel. I never got to see... Uh... Haven't had money to. What's the other one what? called that I wanted to I, see? I couldn't hear it. So we haven't had money to. Oh. Uh, the Evil Dead, I haven't got to see that. There's a whole bunch I haven't got to That's see. That's coming out on DVD. Yeah, it's going to be on Netflix soon. It's already on uh, on demand. I'm probably going to rent it. I watched uh, The Incredible Burt Wonderstone on demand. And though it flopped in theaters, mm-hmm. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was funny as hell. Because what it was is essentially... Um, what's the, the the couple that... And one dude was uh, a magician and he got attacked by a tiger. Siegfried and Roy. Yeah. So anyway... Um, so Steve Buscemi and Bushimi. Bushimi and uh Steve Carell really uh were essentially the way I seen it was like them uh-huh. and Jim Carrey was like uh Chris Angel but he would do stupid ass shit oh like one of his tricks was they were at a uh, spoilers if nobody's seen this um they were at a birthday party, and Jim Carrey's there. He's actually a guest, and Steve Carell is doing you know basic tricks for the kids. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "That's not magic." And he walks over to the birthday cake with all these candles, and he's putting his arm over the candle, and he's he's burning himself. And he's like, "This is magic," and he shows you know he's all burned, but it says "Happy Birthday." On his arm. 
And he's like, and it's in cursive. It was good. <laughs> or he's like, here's a nail. Let me show you how to hammer it in. So he puts the nail on the table and he's like, heads butts it. Boom. And you see his head because he's got real long hair in this. Because yeah. he, again, he's trying to be like Chris Angel. Yeah. He like head butts the nail. He's, and you see his head fly back. And he's like, out. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, you should have been around. I, I talked. I did two separate episodes, one with Sheer Darkness and one of Who's the Boss about Man of Steel. Oh, I don't want to know about it, so don't say anything about it. I got to watch it for myself. Well, for what it's worth, and you know how critical I am about movies, mm. I, I give it about a four, four out of five. Uh, plenty of, of plot holes, but I get it. Yeah. I, I get what they were doing. That was good. Uh, speaking of Man of Steel, uh, this week is Comic-Con! Yes. And there's been like a plethora of, of news coming out. And one of the things that they're talking about before the JLA movie, they're coming out with a Superman Batman movie. Really? Yes. Yeah. And what's his name? Henry Kef- Kessinger? Keffinger? The, the dude that plays the Superman, the new one, he's already in. But, um, they're gonna get the Batman. Yeah, no Christian Bell this time. He won't do it. They're, believe it or not, they're talking about, um, cause he said he would do the JLA movie. That's, that's the only thing. Like, I don't understand why he wouldn't just, like, do that too. Right. Is he already agreed um, to do the JLA? Who's the guy who, who played Looper? And he played in the last, he played Robin in the last Batman movie. Something Love It. Joseph. Joseph. Jonathan, Gordon. Jo- Joseph, Joseph Gordon Love Gordon Lovitz. Yeah. They're Love saying it. that he's the, the candidate to be the new Batman. Batman. Oh no, I still can't get over Jumper. That did not look like him. Well see, spoilers for anybody that hasn't seen The Dark Knight Rises at the end of the movie. He's supposed to be like Robin or Batman Robin, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, why would he be Batman if he's supposed to be Robin? Oh, he's supposed to be like a ghetto Batman. I thought they made it. I they made like he's take. He was supposed to be Robin. Supposed to take over Batman's place. That's how I took it. Well, at the end, yeah, uh, because he was filling out paperwork, and they're like, "Why don't you use your real first name?" And it was Robin. His, oh, his, 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 yeah, okay. his name was Robin. How yeah. gay! They're like, oh, that's a nice name. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I have to say, with this in my ear, mm. when you guys talk, it's like watching an old Japanese movie because I'll I'll see your <laughs> mouth move, and then like half a second later, you, the dialogue comes, comes into my ear. No, but uh, I'm not gonna say. Oh, uh, you need to watch Looper. It's a really good movie. Did you watch it with me? Yeah, okay. Looper. We did it on demand. Oh yeah. Is it on Netflix? No, but it's really good. Like I want to buy it. When I get money, I want to buy the movie. But anyways, it. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I see him right looking at him. I'm like, who is this? Like, he looks kind of familiar. I was like, but who is he? Like, his voice doesn't even sound the same. It's him with like all these prosthetics on. It looks nothing like him. You would trip out. It makes him look like he's like 40. Really? It, yeah. It, I don't know. He's supposed to be like 20 in that movie. I know. We're, we were laughing because we're like, he's Bruce Willis in the past. And there's Bruce, Bruce Willis is him in the future. Okay. But like, right. and they're, it's only supposed to be like, 20 years difference or... T- t- no, he's not supposed to be like 20. He's supposed to be 35. 35? 35 yeah, yeah, or 40. He's supposed or to be like almost... Yeah, because they die when they're 50. Yeah. Anyways, 
Sorry, spoilers. But anyways, it's like 15 years later, he becomes Bruce Willis. What the fuck happened to him? Like, you have to look, you look <laughs> at it and be like, what happened? Well, he looks younger as he's older. Wait a second. He's, you know, it's, it's just weird. You have to look at it. It doesn't really, the way, they made the character look too old, in my opinion, or something. I don't know what they did, but it's just weird. Or too, too mean. Too something, yeah. But he doesn't look like he has prosthetics on. Like, you wouldn't know that he has prosthetics on until you know who it is. But it's like, it's crazy. Just looking at it, I'm like, this guy looks, like, I kept saying, like, who is this? He looks so weird. Like, he doesn't really look, like, he kind of looks CGI in a way, but he's not. Like, you have to see it. It's weird. Okay, I'm done with my rant. <laughs> <laughs> I ranted to him about that for, like, an hour. I'm like, this is so weird. But it's a good movie. Very good movie. Um, what listeners may not know is today is a very special day, too. Do you know what episode this is? What? This is episode 32. Okay. 32. Why is this special? I'm like, wait. 32 divided by 4 is 8. Yeah. We've been podcasting for the last 8 months. Okay. So this is our 8th month anniversary. Do we even have 8 month? That's kind of an odd number. What? He just wanted to throw that out there. He wanted to celebrate something, so he's like, I'm going to celebrate 8 months. No, it was actually, it was a setup. So at 32, that means we are 20 weeks away from 52. Okay. And episode 52 is significant because... It's a year? Yes, it's Seeing Red's birthday. Okay, but back to the whole eight-month thing. This is... You're just wanting to celebrate for celebrate's sake. Well, Nobody was, celebrates eight months of anything. It was setting, it was a setup. Okay. It was a setup to say, we're down to last 20 weeks. And the, the last week, let me see, let me pull this up, folks, because I actually have something set and I haven't seen Rebecca in like a month. So we haven't really. He misses his baby sister. Gotta give her a this. hug too. Don't forget. He doesn't miss me. He misses Never. your voice. That's what it is. He misses me talking <laughs> on a damn podcast for him. What you think? It's all about just. I'm podcasting? just kidding. Calm down. He's gonna, get, he's gonna get mad. There's gonna be an argument on Seeing Red, episode number thirty-two. It's going down. Eight months. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm just gonna throw this out for you guys. Starting the weekend of our anniversary on November 23rd, we are going to be releasing Scene Red 50. Then the following day on Sunday, yes, that's right, we are putting out a podcast on a Sunday. We're putting out episode 51. And then come back on our regular Mondays and that will be our anniversary of 52. So for, and it's kind of reversed. We should be getting something for celebrating, but instead we're giving, we're just givers, man. We just give it right out. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're giving the listeners three days straight of seeing red. And then after that, I have no idea, because I figure around November is when the movie's going to probably start taking shape. And I, I told you off air, you know, I've been doing more writing, and, and I'm actually moving into the second draft, and it's becoming more tight 
as a story. There's more development coming in. So my main focus is, is I want to get to the 52 mark. I want to make it to the one year. Yeah. And I, I will do my best to try to keep things going on a regular basis, um, depending on how involved, you know, this, this point of me, because once the script's done, obviously it's going to go get edited and you guys are going to, well, first you guys are going to check it out and make any adjustments that need to be done. Then it's going to go get edited for dialogue content. From there, that's where we're going to start our Kickstarter campaign. And I have a nice little business plan to, to promote our Kickstarter. So within the, what, how long is Kickstarter campaigns? Like one or two months or something like that? Or is it three months? I'm not sure. I haven't really looked at it. Do you know? But anyway, however long. <laughs> I didn't hear you. He's all full. Of, not the glue. He's all, oh. he's all full of voices today. I'm hyper. No, you should have seen the other night he was doing Smeagol and he was freaking me out. Nice <laughs> I was like, stop doing that. It was creepy. It was all dark in there and he kept going, what were you saying? You are saying all kinds of weird stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I hate when he does that. <laughs> the little <laughs> thing. I'm like, ah. So do you have a Hiroshima voice yet? Nah, uh, like, I'd have to see like a, like a rough draft of the character. Like you mean a drawing? Drew, if you drew like a rough draft of the character, uh-huh. like I'd be able to like, be, just like be able to take the voice. Give it, yeah, a, give there, it a life. Man. Give it a life of its own. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I, <laughs> it's probably going to be pretty, pretty entertaining. And you know what the cool thing is, is, I don't think at this point, I really don't believe that we're going to have to go and record at a recording studio. Yeah. Um, I'll probably buy like one more mic eventually in, in, you know, the coming future. I'll buy one more setup, mm. you know, with the arm, the mic, the pop filter. So we don't have to sit like this. And right. Be sweating all over each other in the dead of summer because we're right on top of each other's lap talking into one microphone because my brother's a cheap ass. I'm just kidding. I was, it's partially my fault for not bringing a thing. <laughs> I still have to be up here. It has nothing to do with the headphones. We'd still be like all up in this microphone together as one. <laughs> no, because all you would have to do is just sit back, pull the microphone to your face. Yeah, but then how, we, we have, I have a big head. I have a huge head. I don't know how his head's going to get in here with me. We're going to be like, we're going to be back here. We're still going to be together all close. <laughs> I'm just being ignored. I was going to say, somebody just, one of you guys have to be really loud. I know when I first did, uh, what was it? Who's the boss? I did a Who's the Boss episode. And I got like 20 minutes into it. You know, and, and my, I, from where I'm used to recording. So yeah. my head was back somewhere like maybe here. Yeah. And I played it back. There's nothing. And there was like, <laughs> I'm like, fuck. So I had I to go in and record over. the whole thing over, yeah. But yeah, so by November we'll have a, a third mic. But hey, you gotta look at it this way. We've we've come pretty far in eight months. Um you know, shit's getting legit over here now. The uh the whole little setup for the fifty two weeks thing that kinda coincides with itself because we're all nerds. And just like new fifty two ah! Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I really don't have much nerd news coming from Comic-Con. Um, and I'm not much for Plants vs. Zombies. I've seen the game. But they're coming out with Plants vs. Zombies. Well, Garden I, Wars, right? What is it? Is it Garden Wars? No. It's Plants vs. Zombies versus Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and that looks hysterical. And I, like I said, I'm not big on those type of games. Yeah. But I, I just might actually purchase a copy. Or are they free? Aren't they? Uh, no. Uh, well, some of them, I think Plants vs. Zombies, you actually have to buy. Like you can get their little trial version or whatever for free. But uh, for the most part, the games like that, they're usually you have to buy them. Well, they're not that expensive. They're they're, they're about a dollar each. Oh, that's not well, bad. Well, the app, phone app, a phone app game, or like they have. Yeah. They have Plants vs. Zombies for, like, uh, PlayStation 3, like a little game, too. It's, like, $4 or something like that. It's not expensive. It's pretty cheap. But the, the, because I, I know he's going to want to get it. What are you trying to get it for your phone? Yeah, for the iPhone. Like five bucks. This is an iPhone we're talking about. That's true. Five or six bucks, maybe ten. This is an iPhone. We forgot. It's not an Android, because Android is better. It is always better. Don't listen to people who have Apple iPhones. Thank you. Good night. No. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pro iPhone. I love my iPhones. I have no qualms. I'm kidding. I I love my Android, but I think I'm going to get an iPhone. I'm trying to get a cell phone now, but they won't give us cell phones because Aaron doesn't have a California ID. California. <laughs> Speaking of California IDs, have you seen my my new license? No. Is it funny? Am I going to laugh? I seen uh, I seen the picture. I'm like, that's not me. Honestly, at first I was like, they put the wrong picture on the license. He's got a lot of credit cards because he's banging. I got health. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. That doesn't even look like you. No. That is like a straight, I don't know. It looks like an Aryan supremacist. Right? <laughs> You Yet like I have long hair and a ponytail. You look like you have like shaved head, and you look yeah, you look like a like a really really like white person. Like you're so white, you're red in this picture. He's got a tomato head in this picture. Well, it's I think okay. I, it's, it's I think it's, I was red is because I was so irritated. Uh, oh yeah, because it took so DMV. long. It takes all night. DMV. Oi, <laughs> oi. <laughs> I just really can't believe that's you. But look at, I don't know, it's, it's like a, it's like a way older, fatter version of you. Like, you look really old in this picture. This is like, you like 45, 50. With good skin, right? Yeah. If he was a little bit gray, it would work. I was gonna say 45, that's actually not too far from where I'm at now. No, that picture makes you look really old and a lot fatter. I don't know. That's nine years. It's almost ten years. Come on now. Yeah, it's, um, uh, but when I seen it, I was like, You're like that's, that's not me. me. Yeah. But I think it was, number two, it was so hot in there that I was sweating. So I was just going like this constantly. I'm pushing so my hair, hair back. your hair, it yeah. would be weighed down by the sweat. Yeah. So. <laughs> you got your head shaved? Yeah. <clears throat> and you've seen me with my head shaved. You're going to get pulled over and be like, sir, that's not you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, here, let me take off my glasses and pat my hair down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Fill my signature. Oh, that's cool. Fill it. They added a new feature. 
Yeah. Because I have all this, I have mine has all this crap too on it. Like we can see the bear and everything. Have you seen I the think bear? they do that so yeah. like if if they can check your ID. No, like, they're doing it because making people, it harder so for counterfeit. Can't counterfeit this right here though. The whole like three D signature is new because mine didn't have that. Mine has the numbers and everything. That was one of my biggest hangups about my old license. Uh-huh. And mind you, the last time I got a license was when I was in my 20s. For free. <laughs> no, I actually went back in and got a second license. Didn't have to that. take a driver's test. <laughs> no, I took a driver's test. Written. <laughs> I took a written. Well, a I, took, a written I took a written. When? <laughs> I took a written driver's test. But you yeah. never took a behind the wheel driver's test. I never took a behind See? the wheel. Bullshit. I failed my first try. I was so sad. Uh, all right, for I swear to God, I better not get any <laughs> anything. Don't from, go into basic. You're a fraud. Let's go into a little bit of detail here. Don't go into too much detail. Um, I had a license in Arkansas that carried over to California. Yep, that's it. Sure. That's mm-hmm. short and sweet. Was it not an Arkansas license? It was. Okay, I had an Arkansas license, and it transferred over to California. And because I did that, I didn't have to take behind the wheel. Okay. <laughs> See, I can't be as lucky as him. It's a bull. Uh, but yeah. Speaking I, of license, I gotta interrupt you. Do you know in Arizona, you take your written driver's, t- you take your written that day, your behind the wheels that day, and you get your license that day? Really? All in one day? I went down there to try to get a driver's license, cause I, I tried to get a driver's license here and I failed the, the, the I failed the driving part. Uh-huh. This is when I was living in Arizona, so I had to like drive around without a license, and it was scary as hell. Because I was like, if I get pulled over, you know, you get You're all paranoid. Screwed. Yeah. So I go there try to get a license. They're like, you have to make an appointment, but like, mom was there, and I couldn't take my driver's test unless she was there with me because the car's in her name. The person who has cars in the name has to be there with you, with all your stuff. Really? Yeah. As you have to have your registration and all the stuff. Whoever's name it's in has to be there to so, so, like write off so you could drive it for your test, your driving test. But you go there, you take your permit, your written test that day. If you pass it, then they let you do your driver's test. If you pass that, they print you out your license that day and give it to you. That's what they were doing at the time. I was like, really? Like, it's that easy? Like, yeah, but we can't give you a driver's test till like two months from now. <laughs> yeah, right? I was like, fuck it. So California I drove, DMV. I drove around six months without a driver's license. Never got caught. Came home. Knock on wood. Hey, I have a driver's license now. Came home. Well, yeah. Got my license. No one got hurt. It was all good. And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, 
green vines, and dried monkey meat for dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazelmon.com. Now we just need to work with Aaron. Get him his license. He's a scary driver, though. I was a scary driver when I started. He, I, he traumatized me because he almost ran into the... It wasn't okay. If he would have ran into a curb or a cone, even a tree, I might not get... I mean, I would still be mad, but he almost ran into the gas pumps. When were you driving? I let him drive to the liquor store. I was literally... No, I, I was like that much away from no, the freaking. She's gas turning towards. Okay, the well, about gas how many? No, how was, many? Like what? A foot? No. I was like, stop, stop turning towards the gas pump. I'm like, turn the other way. I was screaming. I wasn't exaggerating. He scared me because it was a, it was like when he, you're scared. A swift not turn. It was a swift turn. Get closer because they can't hear you. It was a swift turn. It wasn't like a slow turn to the gas pump. It was like fast. Like you know how scary that is. When, when you're scared, do people not exaggerate? That's not the point. It was a swift turn. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it was still, he almost hit the gas pump because he got scared himself. Well, the worst thing to do is if you get scared and you start yelling and panicking, it, hit the it, gas pedal. <laughs> it freaks out. No, it freaks out the driver. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, calm the fuck down. That's why you have to drive in an open parking lot with nothing there but curbs until but curbs. you learn, until you learn how to drive. So you learn how to not be all crazy. You know what did it for me? What? Driving on Highway 18. What? Taught you how to drive or what? That's pretty much what really <laughs> kind of cemented me driving. Oh. Because that was my biggest fear was driving on Highway 18. And you, in order to drive 
for people that don't live or or have been around, you know, Southern California in general, mm-hmm. but Highway 18, you have to be able to pretty much do everything that's needed to do as far as driving. driving. In Las Vegas. No. You have to do No. How about <laughs> driving in freaking San Jose where there's like you're like getting off the freeway to get or you're getting onto the freeway and there's like a lane that gets off the freeway as you're getting onto the freeway it's like the same lane. So you're trying to get over and all these people are coming over like trying to hit you. It's really scary. Whoever made that freeway is an idiot. Like literally, you get off you're getting onto the freeway, right? That uh-huh. road that you're on goes off the freeway again. So people are trying to get off the freeway and you're trying to get on the freeway. It's not good at all. I almost got an accident like five times right there. And they're honking at me like it's my fault. When they're the ones that are almost hitting me. I was like, I fucking hate this freeway. Ah! I don't know. I I think freeways was one of the worst things ever created. The, the ones in Las Vegas are crazy too. They have like all these different ones. Like go here, go there, you go over speak, here. Or you, you should like Google uh, Earth or image or whatever. The spaghetti bowl in Las Vegas, and you will see what crazy is. Every what is that? morning, okay, it's it's like a, it's almost like a jumbled pile of freeway roads going crossing and intersecting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And where? Las Vegas, downtown Las Vegas. No, no, yeah. Speaking of Google, well, number one, I don't like. Driving in the first place. I'm not. I don't either. I, I'm not big for driving. I'm, I'm telling you though, every morning there's an accident on that freeway. I believe every it. morning. Okay, I got. I got to bring up Google real fast. So okay, I go for it. This thing it says like 20 strange images caught on Google Earth. Some of them were just basic, but the one that I thought was funny was the lady. They got out in the middle of the desert, and he's he's having sex with his girlfriend on the car, and while his pants are down, and he's drinking a beer on Google Earth. What? Yes. And then there's a picture inside of someone's bathroom, okay? Like, these people lived in the UK in an apartment, and they had their sliding glass door open. Uh-huh. And the camera captured inside their bathroom. And there was a big puddle of blood on the, by the shower. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I cut my knee. It was like, I killed somebody. Here's the puddle of blood inside their bathroom. <laughs> yeah, there was one where these three guys were having a threesome in an alley in the UK. <laughs> yes, this is from Google Earth. There's different pictures they caught. Yeah. Wow. There's there all kinds of random ones. I'm just like... And see, for me, when I go to Google Earth, I'm like, oh, there's my house, you know. Me yeah. too, right? No, <laughs> somebody, shit like somebody that. caught their, there's a thing about it. A lady caught her husband cheating on her from Google Earth. She was looking at something on Google Earth. Uh-huh. And there's a picture of her husband kissing some woman that was caught on Google Earth. She was happened to look up something like, she was going to go somewhere. And she went to look at the street view of it. And uh-huh. there's her husband kissing some woman on Google Earth. Yeah. Oh, shit. You could Google it on Google it and it'll, like the woman who caught her husband Google Earth. It's a real thing. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, he was meant to get caught. Yeah. <laughs> Google Earth caught that shit and your wife found it somehow. You were meant to get caught. That's like a one in a million thing. Like, it is. Cause no one probably would have ever noticed that. It was just weird. I was like, really? And you can't deny it. There's like picture, picture proof of it. That's not me. I know that's you. That's the hat I bought you. Those are the pants I bought you, you know? <laughs> Where was this at? I don't remember. I read it on Facebook a long time ago, and I went to like the ad thing. I looked at it, and I've seen it other places too. I don't know. I know it's in the United States, but I don't remember where, like what city or town or state or whatever. What was it? You seen a picture on that where it was like some kid in Romania just rolling the street with an AK-47? Yeah. Oh, the Google Earth thing. Yeah, there's a picture of a kid that's about nine or ten years old rolling through the streets with an AK-47 in his hand. With a real AK. Yes, from the Google Earth pictures that they got. Yeah, from the street view because they do it all over the world. The Google Earth thing. 
and there was a picture of a. It was sad. A, a kid was on the back of a motorcycle, and the kid fell off and got hit by a car. Uh-huh. Like not. It wasn't like a bad accident. Like like there wasn't blood or guts. But it was sad because the person's still driving. The kid's back there on the ground with his feet in the air, and the car, the car's right there. And I'm they like, caught it. What? They caught it on Google Earth. Yeah. The car hitting the person. I think he fell off the motorcycle. And, like, the car hit him when he fell off. I, it wasn't, like, a gruesome accident, obviously, because I think the car just barely bumped him. But the person just driving, like, I don't know he fell off. Like, he wasn't looking back or anything. I'm like, this is sad. That sounds like something would happen up here in the high desert. Oh, there was also a picture of a guy who uh, had his head stuck in a recycle bin, I guess, like, in other countries. Do what? Yeah, in other countries. Because I've never seen this before. It, it might happen in the United States, too, but they had this large blue recycle bin. And it had uh-huh. a hole about this big, and it was tall. It was like it was probably at least like five foot ten. Like it was a tall recycle bin, so you couldn't really get in there and take shit out of it because you know everybody goes and steals shit out of recycle bins over here. So I don't know if another country does that, but he had his head in there, stuck in this little hole. Like I don't know how he was going to get anything out of there. Like I don't know what he was thinking. It was tall. It was it was like as tall as him. It was just tall enough for him to put his head in. He's like this, with a stick in his hand, and his dog's behind him, and he's like trying to get out. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. I'm sure there's probably better ones out there, but that's the ones I've seen today. I was like, I always look at random weird shit. Always looking for weird news? Uh, yeah, I just like to look at weird stuff. Like, I was looking at prom, like weird prom photos. There's a lot of couples. I guess the new thing is to make duct tape, for make your, your uh, dress and your suit out of duct tape. There's a lot of couples on there. It was pretty cool though. Like they make ram- oh, rainbow yeah. stuff. Uh, uh, what was it? Um, they did that on Project Runway. Yeah, yeah. they've done trashbacks too. Yeah. But there's a lot of couples. They had like, I mean, it was cool. There's one. There was one that I liked. It was like a black one. But there's there's this one. It was like rainbow, like twister color. I'm like, and they like aligned up, and it was like the color went straight through both of them. It was like a rainbow. It was weird. Duct tape dresses. Really strange. Yeah, I'm like, okay. And there's some girl in there who had lingerie on for her prom. Say what? She had on like this, she had on fishnet stockings, a little blue dress that, it wasn't even a dress, it like covered her butt barely, and then it went like this. It was like a bra top, that, and it clasped back like a bra, and then it went like this, and it was just lace. Her whole back and everything was open. She wore that to prom. And I think they let her, because there was a picture of it. That doesn't surprise me. Me either, because people wear like less than that nowadays. Just walking down the street. Yeah. I don't know. I don't All this weird it. stuff that I look at. Sorry, I was on a rant here. <laughs> no it worries. It goes through my mind. You've been quiet. She's got the mic. She's got the mic. That in my head hurts, so I'm like... Eh. Oh, does it? Yeah. Because for what, the last three episodes, it was just you and I. Yeah. So it's just kind of seemed weird out. for you not to hear you say anything. Yeah, I mean, she's here. She's queer. Get used to it, no? I'm queer. <laughs> I must be queer if I married you, right? Yeah. You're a little princess, Ooh. little fairy princess over uh-huh. here. How long have you guys been married now? What was it? Two months. Yeah, about two and a half months. No. Two months. Two months. Two months. Two months and two days. Two months, two days. So you got the female has to keep on the, the numbers because the males can't do math. Cause like can. one, fourteen, seventy-five, eighteen, ninety-three. Twelve divided by nine. <laughs> I don't know. No, he can't do quick math in his head. Like I thought, I, I like I always thought I was sucked at math, but I can do pretty fast math in my head. Like 
dividing shit, used, timesing it. When I'm in school, like that's when I get used to it. Excuses. But when I'm not in school, like I'm for real, like I can't do math for shit. <laughs> He's like, "What's three times five? I'm like, "What?" And that's an example. Okay, it's an, it's an exaggeration, but it's an example yeah. of the things that he does. I was like, I answered my head fifteen. I'm like, what the fuck is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have a, a well. Let me start at the beginning. Let me give where credits due. Um, I was listening to this podcast, and they they brought up this conversation, and it sounded so out there is like bullshit this can't be real so i actually did my own investigation mm-hmm. and comes to find out it's true so i was like okay this is good for weird news and i'm pulling this information off of wikipedia uh, so we all know how viable and reliable the information on wikipedia what's so funny is is like when you're in school, you can, I'll, this is real fast, tangent, I have to get on. Yeah, go ahead. When you're in school, they're like, don't use Wikipedia, it's not a real source. Wikipedia is one of the most reliable sources for anything ever. Because usually, they have like 15 or 20 sources that they cite. And you can go to these sources that they cite it and you can check out the information. I trust Wikipedia because most of the time, I mean, for me, it's always been correct. I've always used Wikipedia for like school projects and never gotten in trouble for it. So, I don't think I've ever come across anything that, you know, was not correct with but teachers hate it but i i see it i'm sure in the future <laughs> they get, just don't want you to get the answers easy that's what it is i know they're like you can't use user generated sources <laughs> <laughs> all right go ahead i just had to throw that out there okay so this is from wikipedia and it's called the shark arm case i heard about this oh did you yep the shark arm case refers to a series of incidences that begin in Sydney, Australia on April 25th, 1935, when a human arm was regurgitated by a captive 3.5 meter tiger shark. The tiger shark had been caught three kilometers from the beach suburb of Coogee, C-O-O-G-E, Coogee, yeah. in mid-April and transferred to the Kugi Aquarium Baths, where it was put on public display. Within a week, the fish became ill and vomited in front of a small crowd, leaving the arm, or leaving the left forearm of a man bearing a distinctive tattoo floating in the pool. Before it's, before it was captive, the tiger shark had devoured a small shark a smaller shark that was this small this smaller sharks that had originally swallowed the human arm so just okay, this isn't the one i heard about but no no so essentially the tiger shark it's ate like, a, it's a, like shark inception <laughs> oh wait it gets better it gets better uh, <clears throat> and again you, you you hear that and you're like no that shit's not real but shark within a shark within an arm I don't yeah know. yeah <laughs> So, one shark, a smaller shark, ate this arm, bit this guy's arm off. And the bigger shark ate the little shark. Yeah. But then threw up the arm. The arm, yeah. And it was, uh, all, it was intact. Like, it wasn't all, like, nasty or... It, it never really... Well, it, they said the tattoo, they, so. I was going to say they could see the tattoo. And the next piece is called the identification of the limb. Fingerprints lifted from the hand 
identified the arm as that of a former boxer and small-time criminal, James Jim Smith, born in England in 1890, who had been missing since April 7, 1935. Smith's arm and tattoo were also positively identified by his wife Gladys and his brother Edward Smith. Jim Smith led a high-risk lifestyle as he was also a police informer. So, in other words, he was a snitch. Mm -hmm. Examination revealed that the limb had been severed by a knife. So, it wasn't... Someone killed him, cut him up, threw him in the ocean, the shark ate his arm, the bigger shark ate the little shark, and then the bigger shark threw up his arm that was cut off by a knife. (laughs) Tell me that doesn't sound like something from CSI. It sounds fake, yeah. Yes. And this happened in the 30s? Yes. Oh, wow. Well, you just kind of crushed my whole story. Well, go ahead. (laughs) Hey, I didn't read it. I was just guessing. She was analyzing. I was analyzing it. Okay, so it revealed that the limb had been severed by a knife, which led to a murder investigation. Three days later, the aquarium owners killed the shark and gutted it, hampering the initial police investigation. Why? One. Why'd they kill the shark for? Well, they killed it and gutted it to see if there was any more body parts to it. Early inquiries correctly led police to a Sydney businessman named Reginald William Lloyd Holmes. And he was from 1892 to 1935. Holmes was a fraudster and a smuggler who also ran a successful family boating business at, uh, I'm going to say New South Wales. We'll just go with that. Holmes had been employed had employed Smith several times to work for insurance scams, including in one in 1934 in which an over-insured pleasure cruiser named the Pathfinder was shrunk, shrunk, sunk near the New South Wales. Shortly afterwards, the pair began to racket with Patrick John Brady, a convicted forger and ex-serviceman. While specimen signatures from Holmes' friends and clients provided by the boat builder, Brady would forge for a small amount against their bank accounts that he and Smith had then cash. Police later able to establish that Jim Smith was blackmailing the wealthy Reginald Holmes. So you still following this? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> the murder of Jim Smith. This is almost like reminiscent of my last podcast of Who's the Boss? Because I read uh, The Leftovers. Oh. Jim Smith was last seen drinking and playing cards with Patrick Brady at the Cecil Hotel in South Sydney suburbs of Conarula on April 7th, 1935. After telling his wife he was going fishing, liar, liar, pants on fire. He went fishing anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Patrick Brady had rented a small cottage in Talabai Tal- Street in Karula at the time Jim Smith went missing. 
Police allege that Smith was murdered at this cottage. Port hacking at the Ganamata Bay were searched by Navy and Air Force, but the rest of Smith's body was never found. This caused problems for the prosecution when Brady was eventually brought to trial. We guess he got off. He did get off. Yeah, because they can't prove that he killed him. There's no all there is is an arm. You can still live without an arm. Right, and that was his main thing. Was uh, that was the defense's main thing? Was how do you know he's not? Well, I mean, obviously he's dead, dead now. Well, yeah. But I mean, back then in 1935, he other than missing an arm, he could be completely healthy. He could have faked his own death to get yes. you know out of whatever. Which you know this guy probably killed him, but. It says, Patrick Brady was arrested on May 16th and charged with the murder of Smith. A taxi driver, taxi driver testified that he was taken Patrick Brady to Canula, to Holmes' address at 3 Bay View Street in South Wells on the day Smith had gone missing and that he was so this happened in the UK and the shark was found in Australia? Uh-huh. The hell? He, yeah. That shark traveled far. He was disheveled. He had a hand in his pocket and wouldn't take it out. <clears throat> it was clear that he was frightened. Holmes's statement to police. This is, this is good. Initially, Holmes de- denied any association with Patrick Brady. But four days later, on May 20th, 1935, the businessman went into his boat shed and attempted suicide by shooting himself in the head with a 32 caliber pistol. However, the bullet flattened against the, bro- the bone of the forehead and he was merely stunned. Wow. So he's like, fuck this, I'm gone. Boom! Oh, that hurt. So he shot himself in the head. Yeah, and it and he, he was lived. at a hard-ass skull, drinking that milk. <laughs> drinking a lot of milk. Revived after falling into the water, he crawled into his speedboat. <clears throat> Let's see. He led two police launches on a chase around Sydney Harbor for several hours until he was finally caught and taken to the hospital. So not only did he shoot himself in the head... He got in his speedboat. And tried to run from the cops. <laughs> yeah. Now, tell me. Tell me again. This sounds like someone made this up. Yeah. Because, you know, I... CSI. I, I can see this on CSI. I, I try not yeah. to... No. I try not to t- tap any sources from other podcasts because I don't want people saying, oh, you copied that podcast. Yeah. But this was just so unbelievable. I, I had to just bring it up. Um. In early June 1935, Reginald Holmes decided to cooperate with police investigation of the murder of Smith. He told Detective Sergeant Frank Matthews that Patrick Brady had killed Jim Smith, dismembered his body, and stowed it into a trunk that he then threw into the Ganamata Bay. He then claimed Patrick Brady had come to his home showed him the severed arm and threatened Holmes with murder if he did not receive 500 pounds immediately. Holmes also admitted that after Brady had left his home, he traveled to Sydney uh, of the suburb, coastal, 
coastal suburb of Mataruba and discard Smith's arm into the surf. What do you think happens next? They can't find the other guy. The second murder. Knew it. On June 11, 1935, Holmes withdrew 500 pounds from his account and late in the evening left home telling his wife that he had to meet with someone. He was also very cautious as he left his home, accompanied by his wife to the door of his Nash sedan. Early the next morning, he was found dead in his car at Huckerson Road, Dewpoint. Oh, the other dude killed him. He had been shot three times at close range. The crime scene was made to appear that Holmes had committed suicide, but forensic police had no doubt that he was murdered. Holmes was due to give evidence to Smith's inquest later that morning. So Smith did kill the other guy. Reginald Holmes was cremated at North Suburbs on June 13, 1935. He left an estate valued of 34,000 pounds in 1935, which would be worth millions of dollars today. In his book, in his 1995 book, The Shark Arm Murders, Professor Alex Castle claims that Reginald Holmes took out a contract on his own life to spare his family the public disgrace of conviction. Are we done? No. No. Murder. No. <laughs> now it comes is the Colonial Inquest. The Colonial Inquest into Smith's death began June 12, 1935, at the city coroner's court led by Mr. E.T. Olm. The same day, home. home. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not making this up. You can go to Wikipedia and put in uh, shark arm murders, and you can read the exact same thing I'm reading right now. Um, Let's see. The same day, James Holmes was found dead in his car with a gunshot wound to his chest. Although Holmes was the inquest's star witness, he was never offered police protection because his testimony could be could be heard. The lawyer serving Brady um, claimed to claimed to the coroner that there was not enough substance to begin an inquest. Evitt, who's the attorney, argued that an arm did not constitute a body and that Jim Smith, minus his arm, could still be alive. The case has remained unsolved to this day. The inquest's most important witness, Reginald Holmes, was dead. The case against Patrick Brady fell apart due to the lack of evidence. The shark arm murder suggests that Jim Smith was killed by Patrick Brady in order, on the order of gangland figure Edward Frederick Wayman, who was arrested while attempting to defraud a bank with a forged check in 1934 and later during a bank robbery, apparently due to information Jim Smith had given the police. So this Wayman was this big-time crime boss. Yeah. He gets busted because Smith snitched him out. 
So that's that's pretty much what they're saying is what happened. Yeah. Um, let's see. Smith had been exposed as police informant and therefore would have been a target for assassination. The police charged Patrick Brady with the murder of Jim Smith, although he was later found not guilty and acquitted. For the next 30 years, Patrick Brady steadfast maintained that he was in no way connected to the murder of Jim Smith. He died at a hospital in Sydney on August 11, 1965. The investigation into the murder of Jim Smith and his severed arm became legendary in Australia legal history. And that, I mean, again, that that was just so... Sounds made up. Yeah. Most of the big time stories do sound made up, though. They do. Like all the serial killers and shit. Can you imagine it? You know, you're a little boy in 1935. You're going to this pool and you're seeing the shark. Mommy, mommy, look, a shark. And the shark's like, bleh. You know, like, there, there's an arm in there. There's an arm that's kind of flipping around like a fish. You know, <laughs> and somebody's like, "I it's know like, that tattoo." No, wait, that's the wrong accent. It's like I know that. No, that's that's Canadian. <laughs> I'm trying to get into the moment, but it's not happening. But anyway, they're like, "I know that tattoo. It belonged to Smith. He was a scoundrel because you know it was 1935." Yeah. I thought you were gonna. Talk about, cause I read this thing where, I guess in Australia, this guy was out surfing with his nephew, and the shark, a shark came up and bit up his nephew's arm, so the guy got the shark, killed it, and pulled his nephew's arm out, and got it reattached to his body. Really? I didn't hear about that. Yep. I guess he carried like a, cause there's a lot of sharks out there, so he carried a knife, like, around his ankle. Uh huh. And they were out there surfing, the shark came up, it literally just came up and just bit his nephew's arm off, like, no warning. The guy suddenly was like, got to the shark, he got it, killed him, pulled the arm out, took the kid back to the thing, and went and got it reattached. What kind of, that, that, that badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, badass uncle to have, man. It's like Rambo. I was going to say, you're not going to shit out my, uh, I didn't my think nephew's real, but arm. Real, yeah, he took the arm out of the, the shark and they reattached it. That's crazy. I'll have to look that up. Well, that's it for this week, kids. I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Ullett. And if you're expecting some type of consistency, cohesiveness, or just, you know, a followed game plan for this episode, then you might be seeing red. Until next week, I bid you good night. You know, I actually forgot about doing that one. That was such an unbelievable, I mean, how just, you know, the shark got sick and puked up the arm and it just led into all this weirdness. Uh, it was just, I forgot all about it. I actually listened to that on a, a podcast, a different podcast. I think I said it there on, on the show itself. But yes, yeah, so that was a really good show. Uh, we really enjoyed ourselves on that. All right, kids, this is the last pick of the day. So let's go ahead and jump right back into our little bowl and find out who's going to close out the week for us here Let's see, get it nice and shifted. I like it like my food. I like it stirred up really good. All right, and we're closing out the week with... Oh, I wasn't expecting that one. We're closing out the week with Saturday Segments number 9, hosted by Larry Walton. 
Okay, and it says, let's see, Saturday, segment seven nine, Rise of the Planet of the Podcasters. This was recorded on March 2nd, 2013. And it says, Larry returns this week as he tackles it all. Super Bowl, movies, characters who shouldn't have been killed off, Star Wars, actors who have died more times on screens, and it says, you're welcome. All right, so that's it for this week. Set back and let's enjoy Larry Walton in Saturday Segments number nine. Well, welcome again for Saturday Segments. I'm Larry Walton. I hope you all uh, were able to watch the Super Bowl. If you're, uh, if you did watch the Super Bowl, I hope you had a good time. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, just basically, I don't know. I didn't care for either team, but I know some of you are rooting for San Francisco, some are rooting for Baltimore, so. Congratulations to the Baltimore fans. Um, they won yesterday by 34-31. Anyway, um, here we are in February already. And um, I have a few things I want to talk about today. Mainly. Um, movies that are coming out. Um, shows that are returning. And some other stuff I want to talk to you about as well. So let's get off started here. Let's see. I want to look at. I guess they did a lot of uh, Super Bowl ads yesterday. Looks like was uh, they did one for Oz the Great and Powerful. Uh, I guess uh, I didn't watch it, but I guess the power went out at. Uh, at the Super Bowl yesterday, uh, we don't know exactly why it did, but um, anyway, I don't know what caused it. I'm not really sure um, what the reason was. I guess they'll find out eventually. Okay, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna. I'm looking here um, for the box office weekend the top grossing movies looks like the first one was warm bodies at over, at over 20 million dollars let's see Hansel and Gretel witch hunters came at number two and over nine million dollars number three silver linings playbook over eight million dollars let's see number four was mama over six million dollars Zero Dark Thirty, over five million dollars, and Bullet to the Head, over four million dollars. Parker, three million, over three million. Django Unchained, over three million. Les Miserables, over two million, and Lincoln, over two million. So that's the. They did a lot of, I was looking there, they did a lot of spots on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, the Lone Ranger, Fast and Furious 6, and World War Z. Looks like um, they did a lot of Super Bowl ads and uh, stuff like that. 
anyway, I'm going to look here at, let's see what's coming out on DVD. It looks like new on DVD and Blu-ray, um, Paranormal Activity 4, and then Hotel Transylvania, and Seven Psychopaths is out. The Cold Light of Day is out. The Awakening. Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 2. I have Part 1. I just need to get Part 2. There's one called Hello I Must Be Going. The Duelist. White Zombie. Flight of the Navigator. That's a good movie. I like that movie. Citadel. Sheep First Die Later. The Obscure Object of Desire, Noobs, and Out in the Open. And then next week coming out is Flight with Denzel Washington, Peter Pan, Here Comes, Here Comes the Broom, Celeste and Jesse Forever, Cabaret, A Star is Born coming out, Laura, The Last of the Lake Quartet, Diana Vreeland, The Eyes, The Eye Has to Travel, Paul Williams, Still Alive, Side by Side, um, Somewhere Between, The Ballad of Mariama, and then we have Deadfall coming out, Little White Lies, So Undercover, The Spanish Prisoner, Sex and Lucia, Toys in the Attic, What the Bleep Do We Know, and You May Not Kiss the Bride. So those are coming out next week, looks like. Now Peter Pan is going to be on, looks like on Blu-ray. Um, Sucker is doing a giveaway on Twitter. Uh, it says, tweet this message, you can fly. I want to win a Peter Pan. I want I want a slash tag Peter Pan Diamond Edition Blu-ray at Yahoo Movies. So you can do that. This weekend's movie's coming out. Uh, looks like it's Identity Theft with Jason Bateman, Melissa McCarthy, and Amanda Peet. Side Effects, Dude Law, Channing Tatum, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Rooney Mara. Limited Release, A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III. Charlie Sheen's in that one. Bill Murray, Patricia Arquette, and Jason Swartzman. And here's one called Lore, L-O-R-E. It's not rated yet. Here's one called The Party Room, Molly Parker, Jason Hawks, Olivia Harris, and Lydia McKay. Here's another one called Shanghai Calling, Daniel Henney, Eliza Coop, Bill Paxson, and Alan Ruck. And here's one called The Sorcerer and the White Snake, Jet Li is in it. Let's see, Warm Bodies is out. So yeah, I already talked about that earlier. Tonight. 
<coughs> Excuse me. Movies coming out soon. Beautiful creatures. Escape from Planet Earth. A Good Day to Die Hard. Another Bruce Willis movie. Safe Haven. There's one called No and one called Dark Skies. Snitch that has The Rock in it. 21 and Over. Jack and the Giant Slayer, The Last Exorcism Part 2, Day of the Falcon, and A Place at the Table. And here's one called Stoker, The Sweeney, Dead Man Down, Oz the Great and Powerful, The ABCs of Death, and Emperor. So those are ones that are coming out or coming out uh, looks like next week or coming out before too long I'm not sure what the statistics were on the Super Bowl or how many watched it but I'm sure there's quite quite a few that watched it ones to watch are Monday mornings that's new the Bachelors, coming back. How I Met Your Mother, and then Dallas is back. There's one called Teen Mom 2, uh, the following, and what else? I think that's about it. Oh yeah, how many watched the Puppy Bowl? <laughs> I know my wife did. She thought it was really cute, so I didn't watch it really. Uh, hmm. These are some of these are shows that are in trouble. Alphas is canceled after two sis two seasons. They canceled Alpha. Drop Dead Diva canceled after four seasons. The Killing Returns uh, season three. Mockingbird Lane is officially dead. It says. That was the new version of the Munsters. It looks like, yeah, basically it's not going to be on anymore. I was, I kind of liked it. Um, it was totally different than the original Munsters. It says the network officially passed on the pilot at the end of September, but opted to air it on Halloween. It did a so-so 5.4 million total viewers and a 1.5 rating among adults 18 to 49. So, that's officially dead. So we won't be seeing a new version of the Munsters anytime soon. Anyway, like I said, it was, it was okay. Um, uh, ooh. Leverage is going up. TNT, TNT is act leverage after five seasons. Uh, let's see. Uh, ABC is pulling six 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 Park Avenue from your schedule. 
Happy Endings, Apartment 23. Oh, wow. There are a lot of... There are a lot of shows that are being axed. Hmm. So, we will see what happens. Okay. Let's see here. These are the shows that are officially canceled. Um... I mean, canceled now. Oh, okay. These are shows that are on TV that are either canceled or a sure thing. 666 Park Avenue officially canceled. The Bachelor is coming back. The Bachelorette's coming back. Body of Proof. Too early to tell. Castle is coming back. Dancing with the Stars, yes. Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, The Long Shot, Family Tools, that's a new one, Grey's Anatomy is coming back, Happy Endings, could go either way it says, How to Live with Your Parents for the Rest of Your Life, It's a new one coming out, Last Man Standing, could go either way it says, Last Resort, officially cancelled, Malibu Country could go either way. The Middle is a sure thing. Modern Family is a sure thing. Nashville could go either way. Once Upon a Time is a sure thing. Private Practice officially canceled. Rear Window that's a new one. Revenge Scandal, Shark Tank Subgatory and Zero Hour. Those are shows on ABC. Let's look at CBS. Uh, Two Broke Girls, yes. Amazing Race, yes. The Big Bang Theory, yes. Blue Bloods, yes. Criminal Minds, yes. A sure thing. Uh, CSI and CSI New York. So CSI, CSI New York can go either way. Elementary, yes. Golden Boy. That's a new one. The Good Wife, yes. Hawaii Five-O, yes. How I Met Your Mother, yes. Made in New Jersey, officially canceled. The Mentalist, yes. Mike and Molly, yes. NCIS, yes. NCIS Los Angeles, yes. Partners, officially canceled. Person of Interest, sure thing. Rules of Engagement is a long shot, says Survivor, Two and a Half Men, Undercover Boss, could go either way, and Vegas could go either way. Okay. So. Let's see what's going to happen on Fox. American Dad, yes, a sure thing, American Idol, Ben and Kate officially canceled, Bob's Burger officially renewed, Bones has been renewed, The Cleveland Show could go either way, Family Guy, yes, The Following, since too early to tell, Fringe officially canceled, series finale air January 18th, I think Fringe is on uh, the Science Channel now. Lee is a sure thing. Kitchen Nightmares, yes. The Mindy Project says could go either way. The Mob Doctor, officially canceled. 
New Girl, yes. Rising Hope, yes. The Simpsons, yes. Touch, too early to tell. And the X Factor was officially renewed. Okay, so now we go into NBC and see what's going on there. 1600 pen, that's too early to tell. 30 Rock was canceled. Animal Practice was canceled. Betty White's Off Their Rockers is returning. Celebrity Apprentice, yes. Chicago Fire, yes. I like that show. Community coming back February 7th. Too early to tell. Deception is a long shot, it says. Do No Harm, too early to tell. Fashion Star, same thing. Go On is a sure thing. Grim, yes. Guys with Kids, a long shot. SUV, not SUV. <laughs> SVU, could be either way. That's the only survivor of all the shows, like uh, Law and Order, Law and Order Criminal Intent. They could go either way. So the new, the new normal is a safe bet. The Office was canceled. Final season airs in May. Final series in May. Parenthood, third thing. Parks and Recreation, yes. Revolution, yes. Smash, too early to tell. Up All Night, The Voice, renewed, and Whitney is renewed. Now let's go to the CW and see what they got there. 90210, could go either way. America's Next Top Model, yes. Arrow is a sure thing. Beauty and the Beast could go either way. The Carrie Diaries, too early to tell. Cult, too early to tell. Emily Owens, MD, is canceled. Gossip Girl, officially canceled. Heart of Dixie, could go either way. Nikita, could go either way. Supernatural, yes, and The Vampire Diaries. So, those are shows that are coming back, or officially canceled, or it's a pretty good movie, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Chicago Fire, yes, I like that show. Uh, I like Body of Proof. I'm glad it's going to come. I'm glad it's going to be coming back. Like I said, Fringe is on. I think Fringe is on Science Channel now. But yeah, a lot of shows are either got to go ahead or officially canceled or could go either way sounds like so we will see what happened a few oh i'm not sure if any of you remember most of you probably don't especially if you're younger patty andrews of the andrews sisters passed away a few days ago they were really popular during World War II. Um, they did songs like Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, um, stuff like that. But she passed away, I believe, last year. Shows to watch. This is uh, Bones is on, Rules of Engagement, Top Gear. I like Top Gear. That one I like better than the one on History Channel. Season 19 already, wow. Mike and Molly and Monday Mornings. It's a new uh, 
hospital drama that is out now. I haven't seen it yet. Oh! I don't know how many of you watched that new show called The Americans with Carrie Russell. I thought it was pretty good. It is her, she plays, uh, and her husband played two Russian spies that pose as Americans. And I thought it was pretty good. Anyway, so, it was good. Uh, I thought it was really good. If you're interested in, you know, uh, if you're interested in uh, stuff like that, it's a really good show. Oh, here's something might be interesting. Let's see. Here are some of the... Speaking of Super Bowl, I'm looking at the 30 greatest football movies of all. The Gridiron Gang, 2006. That was with Wayne Johnson. Radio with Cuba Gooding Jr. The Little Giants. I think I've seen that one. With uh, Rick Moranis was in it. Ed O'Neill. Necessary Roughness, 1991. That one with uh, Scott Bakula and Sinbad. And Kathy Ireland was the place kicker. Place kicker. The place kicker. The Water Boy with Adam Sandler. Semi Tough. Burt Reynolds. I like that movie. Chris Christopherson was in it. Burt Reynolds and Jill Clayburn. That was a good movie. We Are Marshall. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Um, I'm not sure if I've seen it or not. I don't think I've seen it. Wildcats, Goldie Hawn, Woody Harrelson, and Wesley Snipes were in it. The Best of Times, that was with Kurt Russell back in 1986. Robin Williams was in it also. Sorry. Heaven Can Wait, oh yeah, what? The movie Warren Beatty was in that one. That was a good movie. Varsity Blues, 1999. James Vanderbeek was in that movie. I don't think I've seen that one. The Replacements. That was with Keanu Reeves and Ben Affleck. And Shane Falco from The Replacements was in that one. Any Given Sunday. I don't think I've seen that one. Al Pacino, Dennis Quaid, and Jimmy Fox. Jerry Maguire, Cuba Gooding Jr., and I believe Tom Cruise. Yeah. And Renee Zellweger was in that one. The program. I've never seen that one. Jim Conn, Jim James Conn was in that one. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. The Leatherheads. Oh, that was with uh, George Clooney, Renee Zellweger, and John Karansky. I've never seen that one. Horse Feathers. Oh boy, 1932. The Marx Brothers, Groucho, Harpo, Chico, and Zippo. The Blind Side, I've never seen that one. Was Sandra Bullock was in that one? It's a true story uh, about Michael Orr uh, playing for the Baltimore Ravens as an offensive lineman. All the Right Moves, that was Tom Cruise back in 1983. Also, Craig T. Nelson was in that one. The Invincible. Uh, 
Mark Wahlberg was in that one. Greg Kinnear was in that one also. Everybody's All-American. Dennis Quaid was in that one. Timothy Hutton was also in that one too. Friday Night Lights. Not the TV series, but the movie. Billy Bob Thornton was in that one. The Express. Never heard that one before. Okay. Paper Lion. Oh yeah. Uh, Ellen Alda was in that one. George Plimpton attempts to play quarterback for the Detroit Lions. Remember the Titans. Oh yeah. Denzel Washington. That was a good one. North Dallas 40. McNulty was in that one. Newt Rockney All-American, Ronald Reagan, 1940. George the Gipper Gip. The Longest Yard, that was a good movie. I like that one. Robert Reynolds. It was, I don't know if you remember or not, you've probably seen the remake, but this took place, uh, it was a prison, the prison guards versus the prisoners. Brian's Song, ooh, yes. That was a great movie. Brian Piccolo. That was a good movie. Uh, James Conn was in that movie. Rudy. That was with uh, Sean Astin, it looks like. Hmm, okay. Okay, so now I want to talk about Modern day movies and the most romantic, <clears throat> the most romantic modern day movies ever. So let's see. Let's start with the Notebook. Never seen that one. <laughs> Next one, Serendipity. Oh, I've never seen that one. John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale were in that one. Titanic. Oh yes, that was a great movie. Very, very, very good movie. <clears throat> the Wedding Singer, i never seen that one. Uh, Adam Sandler was in that one. Drew Barrymore, i never seen that one. Beauty and the Beast, oh yeah, that was a good movie. Uh-huh. <clears throat> That's the animated movie, Disney one, by the way. <clears throat> Say Anything, another one, John Cusack. Um, I've never seen that one. Dirty Dancing, yes. Patrick Swayze. Jennifer Grey, Bridget Jones's Diary, Renee Zellweger, uh, Colin Firth, didn't see that one. So, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Moonstruck, Nicolas Cage and Cher, I've never seen that one either. A lot of these I haven't seen. Some I have, some I haven't. Out of Africa, that was a good movie. With Robert Redford and Meryl Streep, that was a good movie. I like that one. Ghost, oh yeah, excellent movie. Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze, and Whoopi Goldberg. The Bridges of Madison County. I believe I seen that one with uh, Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood. I think I seen that one. Next. Legends of the Fall, 
I don't think I've seen that one. Brad Pitt is in that one. So I don't know if I've seen that one or not. I don't think I've seen that one. Ten Things I Hate About You. I've never seen that one. That was with Heath Ledger and Julia Ch Julia Style. Twilight. If you're a Twilight fan, yes. <laughs> my my wife loves Twilight. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I've never seen that one. Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. I've never seen that one. Romeo and Juliet. Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. I'm not sure if I've seen that one or not. I may or may have not. A Walk to Remember. Nicholas Sparks. Mandy Moore. Mm, I don't think I've seen that one. Shakespeare and Love, I've seen that one. Gwyneth Paltrow. And. What is it? What's his name? Oh. Uh, can't think of his name offhand. She's All That. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Rachel Lee Cook. I've never seen that one. Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> I've never seen that one. Jake Gyllenhaal. Never seen that one. Sweet Home Alabama. That's with Reese Witherspoon and Patrick Dempsey and Josh Lucas. An Officer and a Gentleman. Yes, great movie. Deborah Winger and Richard Gere. That was a great movie. I like that. <clears throat> Before Sunshine. Let's see. Ethan Hawke. Julie Del Delphi. Love Actually. Liam Neeson, Kira Knightley, Colin Firth, Laura Linney, and Hugh Jack. Hugh Grants, Sixteen Candles, Matt Damon. Oh, not Matt Damon, but uh, Michael Scoffing, Scoffing, something. Molly Ringwald, Slumdog Millionaire, <clears throat> When Harry Met Sally. I've seen that one. Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. That was a good movie. I like that one. I believe Carrie Fisher was in that too. Sleepless in Seattle. That was a good one. Tom Hanks was in that one. Meg Ryan. The Bodyguard. Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner. Pretty Woman. I like that movie. Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. And here's 500 Days of Summer. Zoe Deschanel, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I've never seen that one. I've never seen those. Well, some I have, some I haven't. So like I was saying, the majority ones I haven't seen on that list. Now, oh, before I forget, I was going to tell you, um, <clears throat> there will be no Episode 2 or Episode 3 of Star Wars in 3D. Um, I guess Disney and Lucasfilm have decided to put that on hold and they want to concentrate on episode 7 right now of Star Wars so so that's been put on hold for a little while and we'll see what happens but as of right now uh, 
no episode 2 or episode 3 of Star Wars in 3D. Okay, now we'll look at the most anticipated movies of 2013. Let's see, this one's out now already called Gangster Squad. Sean Penn is in that one. Josh Brolin, Brian Gosling, and Anthony Mackel, Mackie. Anthony Mackie. A Good Day to Die Hard comes out uh, on Valentine's Day, looks like. Bruce Willis. It's in that one again. He teams up with his oldest son to prevent a to prevent a nuclear weapon heist. Oz the Great and Powerful. James Franco is in that one. I believe Mila Kunis is in that one and Rachel Weisz is in that one. G.I. Joe Retaliation. Looks like Bruce Willis is in this one too. The Rock is in this one. Jason and Bruce Willis playing the original G.I. Joe. The Host. This is coming out next month. It's a sci-fi thriller. Iron Man 3. Robert Downey Jr. Star Trek Into the Darkness. Into Darkness comes out. Oh, by the way, <laughs> speaking of Star Wars or um, Star Trek, J.J. Uh, J.J. Abrams, who produced and directed Star Trek, will be producing and directing Episode Seven of Star Wars. That was announced a few days ago, so he'll be doing Episode Seven of Star Wars. Man of Steel. The new Superman movie. The actor, an actor named Henry Cavill, will be Superman. Amy Adams is Lois Lane. Michael Shannon is General Zod, and Russell Crowe plays Jor-El, uh, Superman's father on Krypton. It comes out in June. World War Z, another zombie movie. <laughs> June 21st comes out. Kick-Ass 2. Comes out in June. Uh, okay, what's next? Um, White House Down, June 28th. The Lone Ranger, Johnny Depp is in that one. Comes out July 3rd. Pacific Rim, July 12th. That looks like it's going to be pretty good. The Wolverine, Hugh Jackman comes back as Wolverine. Sin City, a Dane, for, a Dane to Kill For. Uh, let's see, Jessica Alba, Rosario Dawson. And Mickey Rourke are coming back. Ender's Game. Hmm. Looks like Ben Kingsley's in this one. Haley Steinfeld. Hmm. Okay, it comes out in November. Thor, The Dark World comes out November 8th. The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, November 22nd. The Hobbit, Desolation of Smeg, S-M-A Smug. Snag or something like that. Anyway, and Jack Ryan, another movie by Tom, another book uh, from Tom Clancy. Let's see, Chris Pine and Kira Knightley and Kevin Costner. So that's going to come out sometime December on Christmas Day. 
So that's movies to look for, forward to. Now I want to look at 15 TV characters that should have been killed off. <laughs> so we'll look at some of those. Let's see. Okay, here we go. The man with no name. Hmm. Okay. I know that one's about. Oh, I know. Mr. Big and Sex in the City. Um, so they should have been picked off, killed off. Hillary from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> okay. Pierce Half Hawthorne from Community. That's Chevy Chase, by the way. Lisa on Say by the Bell. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Uh, Quinn Fabre and Lee. Okay. Uh, let's see. Rachel on Boy Meets World. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to find something here that would work. So, I found the worst movies that were ever made. So, number 10 was Batman and Robin. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. It should have never been made. Um, I really didn't like it. You know, it was, I don't know, it didn't really have a plot. <clears throat> it was just, you know. The characters, you know, me, Batman, I'm always like characters. But it just, just wasn't that good. Okay, the next one with Mike Myers, The Love Guru never been made. Worst movies ever. Catwoman with Holly Berry. I like that movie. I like that movie. She made a good Catwoman. I like that. Anyway, so much for that. Um, disaster movie. Uh, I've never seen that one. So, couldn't tell you really about, couldn't really tell you about that one. The Avengers. Yeah, they could have never made that one. Ralph Fiennes and Uma Thurman and Sean Connery. They should never made that one. Norbit. With Eddie Murphy. I've never seen that one, so I really couldn't tell you. Meet the Spartans. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen uh, parts of it, so I couldn't tell you if it was good or not. It was a parody uh, of movies. Like Ghost Rider, Ugly Betty, Transformers, you know, stuff like that. The Room? I don't know about that one. I've never seen that one either, so I couldn't really tell you. Highlander 2, Special Edition. Um, I don't know. The Quickening. I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. The Happening. I don't remember seeing that one. Johnny Vegas, Mackenzie, uh, Six, Sex Lies of the Potato Men. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to touch that one. Heaven's Gate. I've never seen that one either. Epic movie, uh, another spoof, uh, like uh, 
Pirates of the Caribbean, Superman, you know, all different, all different kind of movies. Let's do one different movies. Raise the Titanic. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that one. It's a Clive, Clive Custler book, so I've never seen that one or not. I don't think I've seen that one. And Battlefield Earth with John Travolta. I've never seen that one either, so I couldn't really tell you. There's a lot of things on here. Uh, if you go to zergnet, z-e-r-g-net.com, you can find all different things on here. Now this will be interesting. Here's actors who died in the most movies. I'll use this one to close out my segment. Let me see. Looks like Tim Curry got killed off in the most movies. The Rocky Horror Picture Show, Clue, Legend, Congo, The Shadow, Oliver Twist, The Color of Magic, McHale's Navy, Charlie's Angels, and Scary Movie 2. Oh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> uh, Billy Bathgate, Mortal Fox, Death Becomes Her, 12 Monkeys, The Jackal, Armageddon, The Sixth Sense, Hearts War, Charlie's, Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, Sin City and Grindhouse, Planet Terror. Planet Terror. Now yeah, he's died in a few movies. Johnny Depp. Let's see. A Night on Nightmare on Elm Street. Platoon. Freddy's Dead. Ed Wood. Dead Men. The Astronaut's Wife. From Hell. The Libertine. Sweeney Todd. Public Enemies. The Brave. And 21 Jump Street. Kind of cameo on that, I believe. Okay, who is this? Stellan something. Skarsgård. Oh yeah, the Hunt for Red October. Savior, Ronin, the Deep Blue Sea. No Good Deed. Dogville. Helen of Troy. <clears throat> King Arthur. Angels and Demons. Melancholia and the girl from the dragon tattoo with the dragon. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Okay. Uh, Tony Trujillo. Death Wish 4. The Crackdown. Desperado. Heart. From Dust Till Dawn. Anaconda. Point Break. The Replacement Killers. Triple X, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Halloween, and Predators. Let's see, Gary Oldman, The Book of Eli, State of Grace, Bram Stoker's Dracula, The Fifth Element, Leon, Air Force One, True Romance, Lost in Space, JFK, Sid and Nancy, Hannibal, and Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, he was... Uh, Sirius Black in that one. Oh, Robert De Niro. Bloody Mama. Bang the Drum Slowly. Mean Streets. <clears throat> 1900. Brazil. The Mission. Cape Fear. The Boy's Life. This Boy's Life. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Heat. The Fan. Jackie Brown, Great Expectations, 15 Minutes, 
hide and seek, machete and uh, machete and New Year's Eve. Gary Busey, The Magnificent Seven Ride, Lolly Madonna, Triple X, Hex, The Buddy Holly Story, Straight Time, Lethal Weapon, Hinder in the House, Predator 2, Point Break, Wild Texas Wind, The Firm, Under Siege, Drop Zone, Surviving the Game, Man with a Gun, Lethal Tender, The Raid, Soldier, and The Gingerbread Man. Uh, it's like Mickey Rourke, A Prayer for the Dying, Rumblefish, Johnny Handsome, Pitcher Claire, Iron Man 2, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Scent City, Kill Shot, Passion Play, Immortals, Double Team, Francisco, White Sands, Bullets, Fantime, Desperate Hours, The Last Law Outlaw, Spun, and Man on Fire. Sean Bean, Terra Viego, War Requiem, The Field, Lorna Dune, Patriot Games, Golden Eye, Airborne, Essex Boys, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Don't Say a Word, Equilibrium, The Island, Far North, The Hitcher, Outlaw, Cash, Death Race 2, Black Death, Age of Heroes. And on TV, Tell Me That You Love Me, Clarissa, Scarlet, Henry VIII, and Red Riding. Okay, we're almost done here. Vincent Price, Tower of London, uh, Green Hell, Brigham Young, <coughs> The Long Night, Rogues, Replace, Rogues Regiment, Dangerous Mission, The Mad Magician, The Ten Commandments, The Bat, House of Usher, Master of the World, The Pit and the Pendulum, Nefertiti, Queen of the Nile, Tales of Terror, Tower of London, Diary of a Madman, The Haunted Place, Twice Told Tales, The Comedy of Terrors, The Last Man on Earth, The Mask of the Red Death, The Tomb of Ligeria, Witchfind General, More Dead Than Alive, Scream and Scream Again, Cry the Banshee, Theater of Blood, Scavenge Hunt, House of, the House of the Long Shadows, The Great Mouse Detective, From a Whisper to a Scream, Cat's Fire and Edward Scissorhand. Bill Lugosi, Count Dracula. He has the most screen deaths. And, oh, I don't really even say. Huh. Okay. That's interesting. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Hurt. The Wild and the Willing. Sinful Davy. A Man for All Seasons. Ten Rillington Place. The Ghoul. East of Elephant Rock. Spectre. Alien. The Elephant Man. Heaven's Gate. The Osterman Weekend. The Hit. And After Darkness. The Black Cauldron. Jake Speed. Is this Spaceballs? I don't know that. Spaceballs area. Deadline. Little Sweetheart. Scandal. Something in French. I can't pronounce it. Monolith. 
Even cowgirls get the blues. Contact. The climb. All the little animals. Your dead. Lost soul. Hellboy. Pride. Tabloid. The proposition. V for vendetta. Outlander. Boxes. An Englishman in New York. Ultramarines. Whistle and I'll come to you. And Tinker Taylor. Soldier Spy. And TV series. I Claudius. So anyway. That is. Basically. There's quite a bit on here. Uh, you wouldn't, if you could check it out. You know you could go to that website. There's quite a bit more on here. There's quite a few, like the most annoying movie characters. Uh, never do this in a movie. Eight movies that help the actors fight typecasting. 101 Greatest Villains. I think I talked about that. When Bad Things Happen to Good Actors. 90s cult classics you need to see. Scariest movies of all time. 10 Terrible Remakes. Pathetic movie villains, that sounds good. And surprising movies that won Oscars. There's a lot of movies. Uh, so anyway, uh, lots to talk about here. So I got plenty of things to talk about. So anyway, uh, I will close this out for now. Have a good week out there. Be careful, be safe. And you can listen to these podcasts on your iPad iPhone, I mean your iPad or your iTunes or your iPod. It's jaysoman.com. And listen to the other podcasts on this uh, on this website also. So until then, uh, we will talk again soon. Have a good week and take care. Bye for now. All right, boys and girls. Well, that's it for this week. I am your host, David K. Montoya. Come back next week. We're going to pull three more podcasts. And we're going to do this until we run out. And then when we run out, we'll probably start it all over again. So come back and enjoy what we have here on Flashback Fridays. Only on the Jayzo Modcast Network. Plug, plug, plug. Good night. <laughs>